This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning and welcome to Community Connection. We are happy to have you here this morning. I hope that you um, had a good day yesterday and if you had the day off, you were able to rest a little bit and, you know, learn a little about the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and the push for civil rights in America and nationally. Today we have Jim Russell with us and it's always a pleasure to have Jim on. He's certainly no stranger to you all. Um, he has good information. Jim and I first became acquainted with each other when his son, Brian, was playing basketball at Danville Area Community College. I was a cheerleading coach at the time and so um, knew each other pretty well. And so it's been a pleasure to see Jim's career grow and to see all of the different um, services that he's been fortunate enough to be a part of. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, when we think back to those DAC days and, and Brian playing ball, it's been a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not <laughs> talk about how long we've known each other, just that it's been a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every day it gets to be a little while longer. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Jim, for those that don't know you, please introduce yourself. Um, I am Jim Russell. I currently serve as executive director of Vermillion County Mental Health 708 Board. Um, I also continue to work with uh, Northside Church of Christ in Bismarck um, as a sort of part-time minister. Um, I've lived in Bismarck, Danville area for most of the time since 1985. Um, we took a two-year break in Tennessee um, back in the early 90s, but then came back again. Um, and I'm not moving again. Uh, Vermillion County and Danville stuck with me. Um, <laughs> as, as Laura mentioned, I, I, I do have two sons. Uh, both of them are teachers. Um, my two daughters and all teach. Um, I have five granddaughters. My oldest granddaughter is now in the workforce. She's a speech therapist at Pinecrest Elementary School in Georgetown, working through base. Um, I have uh, two other granddaughters who are in college, um, and the last two are in high school. So um, I stay busy with work um, and chasing after the granddaughters watch and play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just made me feel older than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what um, really got my attention. You know, I, I keep adding those numbers up, but what really got my attention was when my youngest granddaughter entered high school this year. That's my wow. youngest granddaughter. So that mm-hmm. they're, they're getting older, but I'm not. They're going to catch up to me. <laughs> my mom used to always say she was 21 and holding it and if if uh ricky jr wanted to get older he was welcome to do, to do that but she was always 21 that's what she'd always tell him on his birthday you can get older if you want but i'm staying at 21 <laughs> so jim you know especially you know i'm just thinking of education and, and your your family's involvement in education and of course me retiring from dacc and having such close contact with high schools and and different um, branches of education, you know they they've got a t- they've got a tough way to go, and, and it seems you know especially in the the mental health area that things are increasing. I don't know. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I've talked about you know, back when when my two sons were in grade school, we would sort of joke about the, the kids going to school and that they were pulling a little red wagon behind them that have a, a book bag and maybe a, a lunch with them if they were taking their lunch to school. Um, but kids are coming to school and their little red wagon is just overloaded. Um, mm. You know, our, our kids are, are faced with more challenges at an earlier age than what they used to. Uh, they're inundated all the time with, you know, 24-hour news cycles and cell phones that put them in touch with everybody in the world. And then there's predators who are using, you know, computers and, and other media to uh, to set traps up for young people. There's all sorts of uh, challenges and enticements and um, different things that are pulling them in, in so many so many different directions. So, yeah, it becomes tougher and tougher. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, uh, the school system, uh, for unfortunately for a lot of kids, is not just the educator, but they're also uh, the counselor. And in, in, in some cases, the teacher almost, almost steps into sort of a surrogate parent role for, for some of our students. So, yeah, there's a... There's a lot of challenges out there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, bless the teachers' hearts for being willing to do that because you're exactly right. And, you know, the, the, the teaching profession 20 years ago compared to the teaching profession now and, and the different things that are requirements to fit into the curriculum because of things like you just mentioned, um, you know, it's vast. So, you know, I, I think I think when a person went into teaching before it was to teach the you know, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, so to say. Today, I think it's the reading, writing, arithmetic, and, and as you're saying, the surrogate parent, the social counseling, the, uh, you know, just so many gap areas that, um, you know, it's really expanded what a teacher is and, and the conversation about, you know, if you want to be a teacher, what does that really entail? Because it's definitely different. Well, and that's that's one of the things I think that some of our Educator educational programs are lagging a little bit behind um, because they're they're still teaching the material. You know, they're they're teaching the uh, the, the things that the teacher's going to teach in the subject area. But we we need to do a little bit better job of preparing our our teachers for the challenges that they're going to face with mm-hmm. with their students that that don't that don't really have anything to do with what the class material is but it certainly impacts um, that student's ability to learn. If a a kid is coming to school hungry, he or she's not going to be able to focus on learning. Um, If they come to school and it was an older sibling and they had to take care of their younger siblings the night before and and that morning uh, because of an absent parent, they're not going to be able to focus on, on learning in school. So there's so many other challenges um, that our teachers need to be prepared for, and it, it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Definitely. Um, one of the things, and one of the things that, and you know, and I've shared this with with people ever since I took this job, and it's, it's nine years plus now. Um, but one of the things that I would really like to see is a dedicated mental health professional in every school district in Vermilion County. Uh, we've yeah. we've made some progress in getting some people in some schools, but it's still not nearly the the place that it needs to be. 
Mm-hmm. Jim, let's take our first break and then we'll come back and continue the conversation. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Community Connection. Today we have Jim Russell with us from the Vermilion County Mental Health Board, and we were talking about educators and, and just the uh, you know pro- the possibility of mental health professionals in the school system. And Jim, you know, I would even argue one would be amazing, but probably five at each school is what's needed because it, there there's so many social issues and social emotional. Uh, et cetera, issues that, that the children are facing. And, um, you know, it makes it hard to teach. You know, when, you know, I, I just think of, you know, when Jesus said he the, talking about the parable of leaving, leaving the 99 sheep to go search for the one. That's, that's awesome. And that's amazing that God would do that for us. But when you apply that to an educational system, you can't have 30 kids in a classroom and 99% of your time has to be spent on the one child because then no learning's happening. You know, it's nothing but disruption. And, um, uh, so there has to be a way to, to serve everybody in the classroom, every individual, including the one. But, you know, um, I don't know. That's just, when I think about it, you know, you can become very disheartened, but, you know, I, I hope that legislators, because what it boils down to for the most part, Jim, is dollars, right? You have to have the dollars to hire these people. Well, and 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 that becomes the case a lot of times. And again, one of the one of the challenges is to try to, to make the case for prevention services. Um, and it's, it's just hard to, to make the case for prevention services because you can't always document that you prevented somebody from having a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been um, mental health first aid trainings for seven years, I think, now. We trained over 4,000 people. Um, and, you know, we're still, we are still, unfortunately, having suicides, even in our own community, in our own county. So some people can look at that and say, oh, well, that's not working because you're, you're doing all this programming, but we're still having suicides. But what does show up in those statistics is people who were contemplating or considering suicide, but who were contacted by somebody who reached out to them and helped them get the, the, the help that they needed so that they did not become one of those statistics. And the, the same thing is true if you're looking at preventing child abuse or preventing uh, drug use. Um, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to prove a negative, and it's hard to prove that prevention works by, by using statistics. But if you if you talk to people who are in the field, and those people have talked to people who have been helped, uh, either who've started down that road toward either abuse or suicidal ideation or you know, whatever their issue was, and there was a program in place that redirected them away from that path. Then that's a success, but but it's it, again it's harder to document that. We, we want to look at the number of people served, uh, which is which is a good thing, uh, but but how many people have we uh, detoured from from making a, a bad choice or a worse choice and help them get back on a, a path to having a productive life? And those numbers are a little bit harder to to come up with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so as grant funders are developing programs and RFPs and requests for proposals and and putting programs together, um, you know, using tax dollars to prevent things, they need to look at, 
and making sure they're inclusive of qualitative data, exactly what you're saying. Sometimes you can't quantify it, but you can qualify it because of the conversations that have happened exactly how you've said. Um, so again, I, I think it's just a, a matter of making sure we're having conversations and, you know, we're in the game. If you're not, if you're not going to meetings and this is something you and I, you know, just, Okay, five different points are jumping through my mind. When we uh, go to meetings, we can look at meetings as, oh, it's another meeting, or we can look at it as, okay, I have a chance to really make a difference here by showing up, by being honest, by giving information, and by participating as a team. And I think that's very important for Vermilion County. Well, I think that's one of the, the again, one of the challenges of, of the meeting is, are we just having a meeting so that we can say we had a meeting? Or are we having a meeting to try to accomplish something? So, you know, what's what's our agenda? What's what's our plan? Um, you know, we've been having a meeting. We started off just calling it a suicide prevention meeting um, committee. Um, and out of that, we were able to, to fund the first round of suicide prevention training um, and mental health first aid. Um, and then we were able to do a public service announcement program through Newhall uh, that got a, a state award. Uh, we've been able to do several different projects. We were able to bring Kevin Hines to Vermont County uh, several years ago. Uh, so if, if a meeting is accomplishing something, then, then it has a role. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, both of us have sat in meetings that haven't really haven't really produced any results other than somebody was able to go back to their supervisor and say, well, I had a meeting with so-and-so. Right. Um, but it's, it's, as long as we keep in mind, okay, what's the purpose? What What's the problem we're trying to address? What's the issue we're trying to solve? And how best we, do we go about doing that? Um, mm-hmm. And one of the I wanted to make sure that, that I mentioned uh, while I had the chance was uh, our local county board uh, decided with this budget year to increase our funding to the mental health board substantially uh, for this current fiscal year that just started in December. So in the past, we had been able to help fund, and I still emphasize help fund, but we've been able to help fund six different individuals and agencies that provide mental health services, substance abuse treatment, um, and services to people with developmental disabilities. Well, because of the, um, the decision on the part of the county board to increase our funding, we're able to increase that funding to those six individuals and agencies, but we're also able to provide some funding for four more agencies in our community. Um, and some of those services, some of those services are going to be prevention services. Um, so we're going we're gonna to try as much as we can uh, to recognize a problem before it gets to the crisis level mm-hmm. and, and solve the problem before it gets to that point. Because as all of us know, it's a lot less expensive uh, to prevent the problem, to recognize the problem early than it is to wait till it's an out-of-control out of chaotic crisis. Um, True. So the the more information and the education we can provide, the better the better off everybody will be. Mm-hmm, definitely. So let's talk about the mental health first aid training. I think I saw that you guys that you were offering another session. Um, talk about it. Yeah, we've got uh, mental health first aid training. Um, the the first 
training of the month uh, is always directed toward the youth. Um, and the National Council calls it Youth Mental Health First Aid Training, and that sort of confuses people, and there are people who think, well, that's intended for young people. Uh, well, that's sort of a misnomer because it's intended for people who work with young people. So, you know, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if, if you're a child care provider, if you're a grandparent who's concerned about some of your grandchildren, uh, you know, a youth pastor, youth minister, uh, scout leader, uh, youth football, baseball coach, if you're, if you're, you're working with kids and young people, uh, then this training can help you uh, recognize when, when some of the kids you're working with are having some issues. And it talks about how to approach that young person and have that conversation. Um, and then the adult curriculum is directed more toward uh, you know, working with coworkers, working with um, your employees, working with family members, neighbors um, who might be struggling. Uh, and both the trainings talk about how to identify uh, that someone may be facing a crisis or working toward a crisis um, and what you know, just everyday uh, ordinary folks can do to help. You don't have to be a professional to be a first aider. You know, and, and the example I use is, you know, I was an EMT with Bismarck Ambulance Service for about 10 years. Uh, there are other people who are taught uh, first aid. You know, you don't have to be a cardiac heart surgeon in order to be a first aider. So you don't have to be a psychiatrist to be a mental health first aider. It's mm -hmm. basic first aid information um, provided, and if that person is literally in a crisis and needs help, then it talks about how you make that connection uh, to the next step. We actually have a, a training for the youth curriculum uh, Wednesday the 17th, um, and it's not full, so if there's somebody who would still be interested, um, uh, they can call or text uh, Beth Connect at 217-516-2298. And register for that class. It is a full day class. That's one of the, the disadvantages. It does take a full day, uh, but there are some activities, so we, we hope you don't go to sleep on us. So the 17th is a youth training, and then the 24th of January is when we have the next adult training. So we have a training scheduled uh, every month, uh, one training of the youth curriculum, um, and one training of the adult curriculum, and we host that here at the health department in the conference room. Uh, and if anybody who's listening would like to get a, a copy of the schedule, uh, they can either call or text uh, Beth or call me at 217-443-3500, um, and we will get that information in your hands. Jim, is there a cost to participate no, uh, we've been fortunate enough. Uh, we were able to get a grant from the federal government to start the program. Um, and then once that grant ran out, we were able to get other funders to step up for being uh, healthcare foundation helped uh, for a while. We've had assistance from Gibson Area Medical Center. Uh, the last three years, uh, Vermeen, Vermeen County Board um, has funded Beth's salary uh, to do the programming. And then my board allows me to do the training as part of my work. And we're able to use the funding that we get from Gibson area to, to buy the training supplies. Um, so it's at no cost. Uh, 
Uh, we've seen a couple of estimates that if you were going to pay out of pocket for this training, it would run anywhere from 150 to 175 dollars per person. Uh, so because we've been able to to get grant money uh, to fund it, we don't have to charge anybody. Um, and okay. anybody's welcome. You you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to you don't have to be in a particular role. Um, you know, neighbors can use this training. Uh, grandparents, parents, um, you know, anybody who works with with any other people uh, can can attend the training. And we don't check IDs at the door. So if there's somebody in in Indiana who's hearing this this program, you know, we're not going to turn you away because you're not in Vermont County, Illinois. Uh, Beth and I have trained over 4,000 people uh, in either the youth or the adult training, um, and we do get calls or text or emails uh, telling us that people have used what they've learned in the training um, and and been able to help somebody. Uh, and we also have to do we also have to do an evaluation. We ask every participant to do an eval, and it's based on a five-point scale with five being the best uh, you know, best response. And over the course of the time that we've done the training, we've averaged about 4.8 um, on that scale. So we feel pretty good about the training and, and, and the job that we do. And we know, we know it's helped people. Definitely. Well, let's take our last break, and then we'll come back and uh, finish the program. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of Community Connection this morning. We have a few more minutes to spend with Jim Russell. He is with the Vermilion County Mental Health Board. And Jim, just kind of explain, you know, so so this is a part of taxpayer dollars. And uh, uh, some people may not really understand what that is. Explain what is the Vermilion County Mental Health Board. Okay. In 1968, uh, there was a Community Mental Health Act passed. Um, and then it allowed local governments by referendum to establish a mental health board. Um, and then the, that local government, in our case, it was the county, uh, could then uh, set a levy uh, of a certain portion of the county property taxes to fund mental health services. Uh, so there is a very small sliver of the uh, county property taxes that helps fund uh, the services that, that this office funds. Um, we don't provide any direct services out of, out of this office, uh, but we help fund agencies who, who do. So it's our job, first of all, to uh, fund those services um, and then uh, check with and talk to uh, the agencies and providers that we are funding, um, see what is working, uh, see that that they're using the money the way that it that it was intended, and then continue to look for other ways to provide other services and and other other funding. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the the county board for this fiscal year has increased our funding substantially. Uh, some of that money is coming from the levy of property taxes. Uh, some of the money is coming from uh, opioid settlement. Um, and I'm not sure of all the other sources of wh- where the county money is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily in charge of that. Um, I just appreciate the fact that the county board saw fit to, to, 
turn some of that money, some more of that money in our direction so we that so that we can try to provide more services for the community. Definitely. Well, thank you for explaining that. You know, I think sometimes when people think about paying taxes, you know, uh, it can get to a complaining point where, oh, I'm paying this amount in property taxes, but those property taxes go towards services. And, you know, mental health is definitely one of the services that's funded. So, uh, Jim, we only have like a minute left. Let's give some contact information and uh, we'll just close with that. Okay. Beth, uh, text and phone line is 217-516-2298. And she basically has has a responsibility of registering um, and scheduling uh, trainings. Uh, My phone number, my office phone number is 217-443-3500. Um, so it would be would be happy to to give you more information about any of the trainings or or anything else that that we do. We also have a resource list uh, on our website with the county. So if you just go to Vermeen County, Illinois, and then click on departments and go to mental health, one of the things that will show up on our our page is a resource list. We try to include every agency, individual, corporation, entity that provides any of the services that we help fund, not just the agencies that we fund, but all the agencies that provide those services so that people have a place to go when when they're looking for, for help. So again, that's on the Mental Health Board website that's part of the Vermillion County, Illinois website. Um, and I think there's 12 pages. It's in large print so people can read it, but there's still 12 pages of resources that are listed on the, uh, that list. Okay, Jim, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you. I appreciate everything that you, you all do. And audience, we'll be back in the morning. We're actually going to have Michelle Nelson on. She's from Crosspoint. So Jim probably knows her, and I know he's obviously familiar with Crosspoint. So we'll talk with her in the morning And until then, I hope your day is great. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.